we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. If there is no becoming, no attempting to be something, there is no sense of fear. Then there is no contradiction, no lie in us at any level, conscious or unconscious. Hello and welcome to episode 157 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives representing different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is contradiction. Upcoming topics are transformation, occupation and learning. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our updated website at kfoundation.org where you will find a new introduction to Krishnamurti, a growing collection of articles, a new photo gallery, a wide selection of quotes, and a new index of topics for easy access to carefully selected texts and recordings. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on contradiction has three sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's 13th talk in Ojai, 1949, titled Why is there contradiction in ourselves? The other question is, what really is a lie? And why is it wrong to lie? Is this not a profound and subtle problem in all the levels of our existence? What is a lie? contradiction, isn't it? A self-contradiction. One can consciously contradict or unconsciously. Either it can be deliberate or unconscious. Either the contradiction can be very, very subtle or obvious. And when the cleavage in contradiction is very great, then one becomes 
either unbalanced or one realizes the cleavage and sets about to mend it. Now, to understand this problem, what's a lie? And why we lie? One has to go into it with, a, with an understanding not as an opposite. Can we look at this problem of contradiction in ourselves without trying to be not contradictory? I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Our difficulty in examining this question, isn't it, is it not, that we condemn readily lie, a lie. But to understand it, can we not think of it, not in terms of truth and falsehood, but what is contradiction? I don't... All right. Why do we contradict? Why is there contradiction in ourselves? Is there not an attempt to live up to a standard, up to a pattern? This constant approximation of ourselves to a pattern, to be something, in the eyes of some of another, or in the eyes of oneself, there is a desire, is there not, to conform to a pattern. And when is not living up to that pattern, there is a contradiction. Now, why do we have a pattern? a standard, an approximation, a, an idea up to which we are trying to live. Why? Obviously to be secure. Obviously to be safe. To be popular, to have good opinion, and so on, so on. There is the seed of contradiction. As long as we are approximating ourselves to be something, there must be contradiction. Therefore there must be this cleavage between the false and the true. I think this is important if you will quietly go into it. Not that there is not the false and the true, but why the contradiction in ourselves? Is it not because we are trying, attempting to be something? To be noble, to be good, to be virtuous, to be creative, 
to find, to be happy and so on, so on, so on. And in the very desire to be something, there is a contradiction. Not to be something else. And it is this contradiction that is so destructive. If one is capable of complete identification with this or with that, then contradiction ceases. But when we do identify with our, ourselves with something completely, there is self-enclosure. There is a, a resistance which brings about unbalance, which is which is an obvious thing. So our difficulty in this question is, why is there contradiction in ourselves? I have done something and I don't want it to be discovered. I have thought something which doesn't come to the mark which puts me in a contradiction and I don't like it. So, where there is an approximation, there must be fear. And it is this fear that contradicts. Whereas, if there is no sense of becoming, be being, attempting to be something, then there is no sense of fear, then, then there is no contradiction. Then there is not a lie in us, at any level, consciously or unconsciously. Something to be suppressed, something to be shown. And as of most of our lives are a matter of moods and poses, Depending on our moods, we pose, which is a contradiction. When the mood disappears, we are what we are. It is this contradiction that is really important, not how superficially you politely white lie or not. And as long as this contradiction exists, there must be a superficial existence and therefore superficial fears which have to be guarded. A white lie, you know, all the rest of it follows. If we can look at this question, not what is a lie and what is true, but look at it not taking this opposite, but going into the problem of contradiction in ourselves, which is extremely difficult, because most of our lives are contradictory, because we depend so much on our sensations.
We depend on memories, on opinions. We have so many fears which we want to cover up. All these create contradiction in ourselves. And when the contradiction becomes unbearable, one goes off one's head. One wants peace, and everything that one does it creates war. Not only in the family, but outwardly. And instead of understanding what creates conflict, we only try to become more and more one thing or the other, the opposite. And thereby create greater cleavage. Is it possible to understand why there is contradiction in ourselves? Not only outwardly, but much more deeply, psychologically, inwardly. First of all, is one aware that one lives a contradictory life? We want peace, we are nationalistic. We want to avoid this social misery, and yet each one of us is so individualistic, limited, self-enclosing. So we are constantly living in contradiction. Why? Is it not because we are slaves to sensation? Which is not just matter to be de denied or accepted. It requires a great deal of understanding what, what are the implications of sensation, which are desires. We want so many things, all in contradiction with each other. We have so many masks in contradiction with each other. And we take on a mask when it suits us. And deny it when something else is more profitable, more pleasurable. It is this state of contradiction that creates the lie. And in opposition to that, we create the truth. But surely truth is not the opposite of lie. That which has an opposite is not true. The opposite contains its own opposite. Therefore it is not true. And to understand this problem very profoundly, one must be aware of all the contradictions in which we live. When I say I love you, with it goes jealousy, envy, 
anxiety, fear. Which is a contradiction. And it is this contradiction that must be understood. And one can understand it only when one is aware of it. Aware without any condemnation or justification, merely to look at it. And to, to look at it passively, one has to understand all the process of justification and condemnation. So it is not just an easy problem to look passively at something. And in understanding that, one begins to understand the whole process of the way of one's feeling and thinking. And when one is aware, the full significance of, con of contradiction in oneself, it does bring an extraordinary change. One is oneself then, not something which you are trying to be, not an ideal, not a uh, seeking happiness. You are what you are and then from there proceed. Then there is no possibility of contradiction. The second extract is from the fifth talk in Paris, 1965, titled The Ending of Contradiction. The world is never the same. The world is not action. But most of us live in words, in images, in symbols. And therefore, Action doesn't breed or bring about energy. And we dissipate whatever energy we have through contradiction within ourselves. And we seldom realize that Energy, or the passion of energy, comes through action. Action is energy. It's not that you must have energy first to act, but when one realizes the word is not the thing, is not the act, and therefore begins to understand the structure of the word and the meaning, and the significance of word, then there is action. And it is action that brings about the passionate, sustained energy, which has nothing whatsoever to do with enthusiasm. And we cannot act that brings about energy, when there is contradiction within ourselves. 
And most of us, consciously or unconsciously, have many kinds of contradictions, some of which we are aware, know, and others of which we do not know. And so all our life is caught up in this contradiction. And therefore, there is no clear, direct action which alone can bring about energy. And energy is necessary. Not only to do physical activity, but also energy that sustained, passionate energy to go right through any one action completely. And so it seems to me that it's very important to understand this nature of contradiction. The contradiction between the word and the act, the contradiction between the conscious demands, urges, pursuits, and the un unconscious, hidden demands, secret desires and pursuits. There are contradictions in our activities, in our desires, in our pursuits, in our various forms of human existence. I think one is aware of this, if one is at all conscious of one's own activities and being and thoughts. And so one be, being aware of these contradictions, one tries to integrate, try to bring about an integration within oneself. And I think such an act of integration is sheer folly. We cannot integrate the opposites. You cannot possibly integrate love and hate. Either you hate or you love. That there is no combination of both, no integration. So I think we should be very clear, at least for this morning, if you will, that the attempt to bring about integration within oneself has no meaning at all. What has meaning and what has significance is the understanding and therefore being free of contradiction. And to be free is to be aware of the contradiction. Perhaps most of us are not aware of it even. We just carry on. And when we do become aware of this extraordinary contradiction, not only outwardly but very deeply, and we find no solution for it, 
no answer, no freedom from it, we either turn to so-called God, that is the whole structure of belief, dogma, ritual, authority, which is generally called religion, or take life and give it no significance at all, which is what most modern writers are trying to do. They have denied the whole structure of the church, which, which any intelligent man must deny, for it has no meaning whatsoever. And then they are forced to face their own contradiction. Their hates, their despairs, their hopes, their utter helplessness. And so they say, there is only this life, there is no meaning, let's make the best of it. And they philosophy of despair. There are these two extremes, which are both in contradiction with each other. And I feel that it is possible to totally eradicate, not by an act of will, because will again breeds contradiction in itself. Will is, in essence, contradiction. I think one has to understand this deeply, because we are brought up to exercise every form of will to overcome, to deny, to assert, to determine. And if one observes the nature of will, will itself is a form of resistance. And therefore, will in itself inherently is contradiction. So, is it possible at all, living in this world, carrying on with our office, family, the whole business of modern life, is it at all possible to live without any contradiction whatsoever? And therefore, in the very outcome of that state of non-contradiction, in which there is no contradiction whatsoever at, at any level of one's being, outwardly or within the skin. Is it possible to have no contradiction and therefore act, which is the outcome of energy, the acting itself is energy? If one has observed oneself, 
one sees the more active physically one is, there is more energy. It is not the other way around, that you must have energy to act. On the contrary, the more you act, the more energy there is, biologically as well as psychologically. So, to come upon this action which breeds energy, which is the very, very action is energy. It's not action and then energy, or energy and then action. It's not the idea and action. The idea is never, does never give energy. It gives a stimulation, a momentary enthusiasm. But it is the action which which brings about energy, or the energy from which, which the action derives. So, to understand this contradiction, one has to go much deeper. And that's our difficulty. We want to be told what to do, or conform to a pattern, or follow somebody, hoping in that way to sublimate, deny, suppress every form of contradiction. And that still is very superficial. So, to go into this question of contradiction, one must go much deeper. You know, the, the depth is not comparable to the surface. Surface is one thing and depth is another. And most of us live on the surface. And therefore when we try to go inwardly, we go as though through emotion through an activity of going inward. And therefore that itself breeds a contradiction. I hope I'm making myself clear. When we use the word to go deeply, we are not going from the outside to the inside. If you do, then there is a contradiction immediately, as the outer and the inner. So, to understand contradiction, and it is necessary to understand it, to bring about, not only within our souls, but 
in the society of which we are. We must have peace, not war and peace. Peace now is only an interval between two wars. And to understand this extraordinary complexity of contradiction, and it is very complex and very subtle, we must go to the very root of it. Not deal outwardly, not merely look at the symptoms and, the, and try to patch up the world, but one has to go very to the very root of it. The root of contradiction is the division between the thinker and the thought. For most of us, there is this wide gap between the observer and the observed, the thinker and the thought, or the center which experiences and the thing which is experienced. That too, that there is a, an interval, a gap, a time lag. There is a contradiction. The very that is the real source of contradiction. I hope that we are, that one is not listening to the mere words, then it's not an act of listening. But using the words of the speaker, one discovers for oneself this wide gap between idea and action. This actual state between the thinker and the thought. The thinker controlling, dominating, changing, trying to suppress, trying to become, trying to alter, trying to adjust, trying to be peaceful. So the thinker, as long as there is a thinker, which is the sensor of the good and the bad, the constant division which the thinker creates and thereby gives nourishment to <coughs> contradiction. Must not only be discovered, not because someone else tells you that it is so, the very act of discovery is the beginning of that, in, of that energy 
with which you approach the problem, the, the root problem of contradiction. It is not that the speaker is telling, describing, and therefore you accept it. It is for you an actual fact, it must be, because you have discovered it or you have seen it immediately. There is a vast difference between being told that you are hungry <coughs> and the actual hunger, which you know for yourself. You know for yourself what hunger is. But if you are told what hunger is, it has not the same meaning. It's not the same significance. Similarly, if you merely accept this division because you are told, then it has no revealing vitality. But if one discovers the thing, if one sees it as an actual fact, that very observation of that fact brings energy. And that energy is necessary to deal with this contradiction. I hope it's fairly clear so far. I made myself clear. Because you see, when there is great contradiction, it brings about a tension. And greater the tension and the greater the capacity to express yourself, the greater misery you only create, not only for yourself, but the public also, for the writer, for the, if you are a writer, if you are an artist, if you are anything. I do not know if you are not observed that in the state of contradiction within oneself, if one has capacity to write or to paint, or to be, if you are unfortunately a politician, then you create greater misery for man and, and for also for yourself. So one has to understand this enormous depth and the significance of contradiction and to be completely be free of it. Because if one is not, there is no love. All that we know of love is a contradiction with, in a contradiction with jealousy, hate, antagonism, and the thing we call love. If one would know or understand this thing called love. Not verbally, not the sensual pleasure called love, not the love that is that goes with hate, envy, ambition. An ambitious man can never know what love is, obviously. 
like an ambitious man who is competitive, talking about peace has no meaning. There is only peace when the mind is not com- com- competitive, non-comparing, and therefore there is no contradiction within itself. So, if rather to bring about a different society, a different structure of social existence, one must inevitably understand this, the nature and the significance of contradiction within oneself. Because most of us are trying to fulfil in painting, in writing, in doing this or that in the family. That again is an indication of contradiction. Then you would say, must man express himself? Isn't his, his nature to express? But Shelley, we're putting the cart before the horse, aren't we? Why this extraordinary insistence on expression? You may or may not express. But if you insist that you must express objectively in a painting, in a writing, in a poem, in a a book, in an expression, in a gesture, if you insist on that, then that very insistence is an indication of contradiction. So, the root of contradiction, as we are pointing out, is this division between the thinker and the thought. And the two cannot be integrated. But if one observes what the the structure of the thinker you will see the thinker is not when thought is not. It is the thought that breeds the thinker, the experience, the entity that creates time. And the entity who is the source of fear. Because most of us have many forms of fear. Please watch your own fear as as we are talking about it. Deeply inside your own secret fears. Obviously there is the obvious, there is the ultimate fear of death. 
And being afraid, we, we try to escape from death through belief, through the ideas of resurrection and reincarnation and so on and on and on. Either you rationalize death or you have a belief. Both rationalization of death and, it, and the, a belief are both an avoidance of death, an escape, and therefore that creates contradiction. We say death is something opposite to living. So to understand death, we must understand life. So one must examine what our life is. What is our life? As it is actually, not theoretically, not hypothetically, what it should be, but actually what is it? A series of memories, experiences of misery, pain, despair, agony, longing, loneliness, the aches and the turmoil of good and the bad, the health and disease. We are that. That is what we call life. That's all we know. And the battle in that field, what we call life, endless conflict, endless misery and confusion. And I'm not exaggerating. This is actual fact. And we don't know how to solve it, how to understand it, how to go beyond this misery, how to end sorrow. So not knowing, we either escape through religion or through the assertion that life has no meaning at all whatsoever, no significance. And just let's live for the day. So one has to understand life totally, that is, to free oneself from all this misery. <coughs> and it is possible. Then life is not, living is not different from dying. Then there is not this gap, the wide interval of time created by the thinker. And therefore, the thinker breeding fear. And so, when, you, when we understand what living is, which is to live, dying to all the misery every day, or to all the problems, to all the pleasures, without argument, that's what you're going to happen when you die. You die without argument. You can't discuss with death. So to die to the to sorrow. And we do not die to sorrow because we not only know do not know what real joy is. And 
We do not know all capacity, all the understanding, how to end sorrow. Therefore, we rather have sorrow with all the self-pity, commiseration, and so on, so on, so on, rather than enter into something I don't know. Please observe for yourself these facts. I am not trying to impose anything on the old, on you, called the listener. We are neither agreeing or disagreeing. We are just observing the facts, the actual what is. And that very observation of that, of what is, brings energy, which is an action. So, one has to understand this nature of contradiction. And you can understand it only when you are when you observe this whole structure of the thinker, with his thoughts, with his hopes, with his despairs, the thinker who is creating constant contradiction between himself as the censor and the thing which he observes. Therefore, to, to observe this what is requires great seriousness, not a flippancy of observation. And it's only the serious person that is living, not the superficial person at all. You may have wealth, property, position. He's, he knows nothing of life. He knows the surface. But to understand this whole structure of oneself, one must come to it not with a determination, not with an effort, but merely to observe what is. And when there is no contradiction, that is, when the, observe, when the observer is no longer acting as a censor, you know what I mean by the word censor, who condemns, who denies, who says this is right and wrong, this is good and bad, which doesn't mean that you live a more superficial life, on the contrary. To come to that point, you have, you have to understand your whole conditioning. Then we will see 
that when there is no sensor which is not an assertion, one has to understand this, one has to work at it. Then you will see that the mind becomes merely an observer. But that mind now is no longer in a state of contradiction, therefore has tremendous energy. So, that energy is what we call love, which is passionate, not merely physical passion. That's fairly easy, that's very common, that everybody knows, lust. But what we are talking about is the passion which has no cause and therefore no contradiction, no motive and therefore no end. And where there is love, there is also death. The two cannot be separate because love has no ambition. Please, I am stating these things that has no value for you. It has only value, it has meaning, actually, when, you have, when this contradiction totally comes to an end. Because Love and death must be for creation to be. You know what creation is? Not the expression, and that's very simple to understand. As a writer, as a poet, as an artist, we want to express that is not creation. Creation is something entirely different. You know, creation can only come about when there is energy. Energy <coughs> that is not, that has never been contaminated. That is not the result of effort, will. But that energy which action itself brings. Now all our activities, more or less, 
is self-centered. Centered upon ourselves in relation to various things. And that self-centered activity, which is of the thinker, invariably breeds contradictions. And being in a state of contradiction demands expression. I must escape, I must write, I must do. The man who is in a state of self-contradiction and in a state of self-centered activity, what he does as a painter, as an artist, as a musician, he may call that creation, but it's not. Creation must be something extraordinarily different, and it is. Now, as I said, the mind, when it is not touched or has understood the whole structure of contradiction, conscious as well as unconscious, is completely still. Because any movement of energy is a dissipation. It's only when the mind is completely still with tremendous energy, then there is an explosion. And that explosion is creation, which may or may not need expression. So, a mind that is afraid, that's ambitious, that's greedy, envious, jealous, competitive. Such a mind can never have this energy of act, this energy which is which is brought about by action. And such a mind can never know what love is, obviously. And where there is love, there is the dying to all the memory of everyday experience. And therefore, love and death must always go together, because love is always fresh, new, young, innocent, not contaminated by the past, Therefore, must die to every day's past. So, love, death must exist in that tremendous energy. When that energy is completely quiet, then there is creation. That creation, call it by whatever name you will, is very little important. Unless this comes about in each human being who is part of society, who is society himself, 
There cannot be a new society. The final extract in this episode is from a direct recording by Krishnamurti in Ojai, 1984, titled Contradiction between the outer and the inner. Our actions and reactions are so quick. There is a pause before the reaction takes place. A question is put, and immediately, instantly, one tries to seek an answer a solution to a problem. There is not a pause between the question and the answer. After all, we are the ebb and flow of life, the outward and the inward. We try to establish a relationship with the outward, and thinking that the inward is something separate, something that is unconnected with the outer. But surely the movement of the outer is the flow of the inward. They're both the same, like the waters of the sea, this constant, restless movement of the outer and the inner, the response to the challenge. This is our life. We first put together from the inward the outer, and then the inner becomes the slave of the outer. The society which we have created, to that society, the inner becomes the slave. And the revolt against the outer is the same as the revolt of the inner. This constant ebb and flow restless, anxious, fearful, and so on. Can this movement ever stop? Of course, the ebb and flow of the waters of the sea are entirely free from this ebb and flow of the outer and the inner, the inner becoming the outer. Outer then trying to control the inner, and the external becoming all important. And then the reaction to that importance from the inner. This has been the way of life, the life of 
constant pain and pleasure. We never seem to learn, learn about this movement. This one movement, the outer and the inner. They're not two separate movements. The waters of the sea, when they withdraw from the shore, the same water coming in, lashing the shores, the cliffs. But we have separated the outer, the external and the inner. And so there begins contradiction. The contradiction that breeds conflict, pain. This division between the outer and the inner is so unreal, is so illusory. But we keep the external totally separate from the inner. And perhaps this is maybe one of the major causes of conflict. And we never seem to learn. Learn, not memorize, learn. Which is a forward movement all the time. Learn to live without this contradiction. The outer and the inner is one. A unitary movement, not separate, but whole. One may intellectually perhaps comprehend it, accept it as a theoretical statement or intellectual concept. When one lives with concepts, one never learns. The concept becomes static. You may change them. The very transformation of one concept to another is still static, is still fixed. But to, to feel to have the sensitivity of seeing that life is a, not a, a movement which is external and inward, but two separate activities. But to learn to see that is one, to realize that is that interrelationship is this movement, is this ebb and flow of sorrow and pleasure, joy and depression, loneliness 
Andy, Andy Escape, to perceive non-verbally this life as a whole, not fragmented and broken up. Learning about it is not a matter of time. It's not a gradual process. And then time again becomes a divisive process. Then time acts in the fragmentation of the whole. But to see the truth of the instant and then is there this action and reaction endlessly this light and dark the beauty and the ugly that which is whole is free from the ebb and flow of life, of action and reaction. Beauty has no opposite. Hate is not the opposite of love. 